Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience in Allen, Texas or at church1132.com. Anybody love the Word of God? All right. This is Joyride Part 3. We're going to go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. Uh, it's been our text for the series. Uh, maybe you got it memorized by now. It says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content. I'm going to tell you that contentment is one of the ingredients of joy. If, if you can find contentment, you can have joy. It's almost like a precursor to joy because there's no way that you can have true joy if you do not have contentment. Paul says the secret of contentment is this. Joy is not found in the absence of external pressure, but in the presence of internal contentment, which tells me that I've got to have something internally affecting my joy or else I will always be affected externally by circumstances. But if I can have a joy inside, then that will affect my circumstances outside. And I can walk through any storm, any type of difficulty if I got that on the inside. Last week, we went to James, and I'll show you this uh, one more time. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the first part we talked about contentment. Second part we talked about counting. Because in the King James Version it says, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. Count it up. And this is how you count it. You count from the end backwards. This, this is how you can have joy, is that you got to see the end result, and then you got to count backwards. This is how most of us count in our lives. We see what we're going through. And so we either have joy or we don't have joy based on what's happening today, based on whether we got our coffee before this service or not. Whether we got, had the day was going the way that we wanted to or not, that's how we determine joy. But James says you got to count it all joy. Because you know that what you're going through is developing something. So if you can see what it's developing, you can actually work backwards into your day and you can have joy in the midst of it. Now we're going to wrap it all up uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1. And we learned last week that if you can see the sum, that's the total, the end result, then you can possess the joy. Now for today, 1 Peter chapter 1. You ready? 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6 it says, in all this, in all this, we could preach just from right there uh, because that's where joy is found. In all this. In all, I mean, you can specify if you want, but the, Peter's just going to say, in everything, in all this, you greatly rejoice. Now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled 
with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith. You're receiving the sum. Count it up. You're receiving the sum of your faith. The salvation of your souls. Now we're going to unpack this uh, here in our moments as we close this series down. And so this series we've called Joyride because we believe uh, that your joy is supposed to be more than just a joyride. I believe that you're supposed to have joy and you're supposed to possess it. A joyride is a fleeting ride of joy on usually something that is stolen. And I believe that many of us, our joy is not something that we possess personally. It's something we encounter momentarily. And what God wants to do is move us into a position and into a perspective where we contain, we possess, and we have joy no matter what we're going through. Uh, we've got a, a different bike on the stage today. And um, I want all of them, everyone we've had every week. And, 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 and we, we, as we talk about joyride, again, this isn't mine. I specified that last week, I think. Um, this, this isn't mine. If I took it, I would have to return it because I don't possess it. I'm going to tell you this. God wants you to possess joy, not to borrow it from a happy day, not to just use it when circumstances align, but he wants you to actually have it for yourself. He wants you to own it, have the title. He wants you to have the record. He wants you to legally own your joy. So no matter what happens on the outside, no matter what storm you walk through, no matter what circumstance you walk through, you can keep your joy. First Peter, the book, was written by the Apostle Peter, and it was written to various churches, and this is the setting. It was written to various churches who were going through persecution. Now, you got to understand this because we talked about James, and James uh, was written uh, in, in, in light of his own circumstance that he was walking through. Now, Peter is writing to people who are being persecuted. And so now you got to take it into consideration what he's saying, because this is not just to us in our happy lives and in our circumstances. This is to people who are being persecuted for the gospel, and he's telling them to greatly rejoice in all of this. Peter's, first Peter is known, or Peter is known personally as the apostle of hope. I'm going to tell you that hope is one of the fuels of joy, because hope is what allows me to see the end. Hope is the joyful anticipation of something good. So if I can see the sum, I can possess the joy. If I can see the end result, then I can walk through today. Uh, I was riding, putting together this message uh, on a plane. And uh, I was on a plane drive, uh, flying back to Seattle and uh, for a, a funeral. Uh, one of my best friend's fathers passed away, and so uh, I'm on the plane. And, and uh, I usually fly a certain airline, and uh, I bought this ticket last minute on miles, so none of my status transferred. And so I got 34D was my seat. And in this certain plane, 34D was the aisle of the very back row of the plane, right next to the lavatory. So I sat down, looked at my seat, tried to change it three times. Three times she told me they had no other seats. Three times I tried, believing God for a miracle. There was no miracle. I sat there right next to the bathroom. And it just so happened to be one of those flights that everyone had to use the bathroom, it seemed like. And so as I'm sitting there, I have my laptop out. I am in, I'm in the presence of God. I'm, I, I got my headphones in. I'm typing. I'm preparing this actual message. 
on joy and on contentment as rear end after rear end backs into me as they open the door. So you can just picture me typing and, and in they go for whatever time it takes for them to do what they do and then back out with a little wind current, significant wind current, and the door shuts again. And so for about two straight hours, I'm, I'm doing this. And finally, I'm just like, this, this one lady happened to, to hit me really good. I mean, just like, I mean, laptop, and I'm like, okay. I'm upset. As I'm typing, and I, I, I'm typing this, contentment is not in external situations, but in internal joy. And I started laughing right in my seat at myself, and I'm realizing that's what joy is. Joy is in the midst. It, it, it is not outside of or escaping what life is or what I go through. It is in the midst in all these things, in all the, in all these things, that, that, that's where I was. And it was such an amazing uh, revelation as I'm sitting there frustrated that as I'm typing, contentment is internal, not external. The, the light bulb went on in my head that this really is what joy is. It is not something that I escape. It is not something where all the stars align and, and I get what I want. It is in the midst of open doors. It is in the midst of bad seats. And it's in the midst of bad smells. It's in the midst of bad situations. Just having joy. Being okay. You know how I can be okay on a flight like that? Because I have hope that the end of the flight is, is coming. It's coming. Some of y'all are still waking up, but we're going to get there today. I'm, I, I, I'll help you. I promise you. The, the, the end, I have hope. I've been on a lot of airplanes. Most of my life seems to be on an airplane. That's like that's my mobile office is on an airplane. And, and I'm going to tell you what, is that every single airplane I've ever got on landed. Hopefully they keep on landing. And when they do, whatever I was in is over. So instead of just sitting there sour, I can have joy that in two and a half hours, my plane is going to land and I'm going to be all right. And I get to move out of my situation. The problem is we want the situation to be right. We don't want the joy to be right. If we're really honest, if we're really honest, we don't really want joy. Not the joy that the Bible talks about. What we really want is situations to be what we want them to be. And then we would have joy. But that's not what James says. That's not what Philippians says. That's not what 1 Peter says. It says, in all this, rejoice greatly. You ever notice these little words that they add in there? Consider it pure joy. That's what James says. And then 1 Peter says, in all these things, rejoice greatly. It's like, let's just put another, another exclamation point on what we're talking about. Verse 6 says, in all this, you greatly rejoice. In all this will be a major lesson in anyone's pursuit after joy. We rejoice in the midst of trials, not because of them. 
Let me just ask you this. What do you do when life sits you in the back row? What do you do when life backs into you? What do you do when life stinks? What, what, what do you do in that moment with this joy? I'm going to tell you this. Entitlement is the greatest enemy of joy. Do you know why I didn't have joy in that moment? It's because I thought I deserved a better seat. Someone has to sit there every flight. But I thought I was better than whoever would sit in that seat. Entitlement robs me of my joy because entitlement robs me of my contentment. And there's no way that I can be content if I feel entitled. And because I fly as much as I fly, I thought that I was entitled to have a different seat than what I had. And because I thought that I was better than the seat I was in, I didn't have contentment. And so now my joy is robbed and I'm sitting there writing a message for you on joy. Look at this. Look at this problem. Look at this issue. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and to work on me. And the second part of this verse says, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Let me just say it this way. Joy does not guarantee you the escape of trials. I'm going to say it another way. Joy does not guarantee that you do not feel grief at the same time you feel joy. Some people will say, well, how is that even possible for you to feel grief but to feel joy at the same time? But he says in all these trials that you will feel grief but rejoice greatly. So it says in the current situation, make a choice. In the current situation that you have facing you, make a choice. In all this, rejoice greatly. Rejoice, rejoice is an actual, it's, it's a command in the Word of God to be glad. Now this is what nobody wants to hear, but this is the truth. This Word is not saying that you're going to be given joy. It says to choose joy. When it says to rejoice greatly, it says choose joy. Joy. It, it's, it's actually a command that says, be glad. Well, I would be glad if I was sitting up in row three and not in row 34. But no, as I sit there, rejoice greatly. In all this, rejoice greatly. Choose to be glad. I, I, I want to just tell you a couple things that joy does. Joy builds faith. Joy builds faith. Now, I'm going to tell you, most people would say it the other way, that faith produces joy. But I want to show you something about joy. Joy will actually build your faith. These, in verse 7, it says, these have come so that the trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith. And your faith is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. This is what this scripture is saying. It is saying... That if I can have joy in all this, if I can rejoice greatly in all this, then it's going to build my faith to such a point. Because in order to have joy in it, I have to believe that the sum is greater than what I'm going through. That the sum, the end result, is going to be good. So I have to exercise my faith to believe good things about my life. Well, Pastor, I don't know about that positive thinking. I just, I, I said this last week, and I'll just say it again for some of you. What is the opposite of positive thinking? How fun with that? 
Just, I mean, if that's what you want to do, have fun with that. But this is how it builds your faith, is I have to have the faith to believe that no matter how bad my seat in life is, that over here, that plane is going to land, and I'm going to get out. I've got to believe it. And this is how faith is grown. Faith grows when you grow it. Or I'll say it this way. Faith grows when you work it. Or you can say it this way. is Faith has to be developed in the gym of life. And if you don't work it out, it will not be strong. So faith is actually developed in trial. So I found this to be true, and we touched on this last week, that my trouble will actually train me. My, my trouble, my trials will actually train my faith. My choice to have joy in the midst of trouble requires faith. It's a commentary I read that said, The faith of Peter's readers was deepened by their trial. These trials came because of their commitment to Jesus. They were necessary. They were a necessary part of their experience, and they could deepen their faith. The faith of the believers filled them with joy and brought them into living contact with Jesus. I'm going to tell you, joy builds your faith. The word trial as the word signifies, is an experiment or search made upon a man by some affliction to prove the value and strength of his faith. I'm going to tell you, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Remember we learned what rejoice means? Be glad. Choose it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, and again I say, Rejoice. That's like the time that you want to like slap somebody. It's like, rejoice, brother. I can handle that. But then when they say it the second time, it's like, okay, I got it the first time. I'm doing my best. I'm in a ILC next to the lavatory. I'm trying to choose, all right? It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Be glad. Wake up and be glad. I'm going to tell you one more time. Be glad. Oh, I forgot to say it right. Be glad always. And just, just in case you missed it, be glad. Well, I'm depressed, Pastor. Be glad. Well, that, ooh, that's not sensitive. I know it's not. I felt the same way. I read it the same way you did. It's, I'm, not try, I'm not trying to come down too hard on you. I'm just trying to tell you what it says. And I don't know if the Bible would say what it says if it was trying to mislead you. Last time I checked, all Scripture is God breathed and is useful. So we got to believe what the Bible says and maybe we should try it. Just rejoicing and just being glad. Well, how do you be glad? If you're not glad, you just choose it. Every moment, every situation. Did you know that my situation changed when my perspective changed and I'm sitting there typing and I realized what a hypocrite I was because I was preparing a message for you and God was speaking to me. And in that moment, I shifted my perspective, and I had joy. And then every time, <laughs> I got joy. Not going to shake my joy. Not going to shake. Close, but you're not going to shake my. It's, and you know, what I, you know what's happening? My faith was growing at the same time. Because I have faith that I was going to get through what I was going through. Joy is a choice. So we choose joy in the middle of every trial. 
Joy, it builds our faith. And I'm going to tell you what joy does. Joy sees the unseen. It sees the unseen. Now, I'm going to say the same thing about 17 ways because we've got to capture this if we're going to walk in joy. Joy sees the unseen. Verse 8 of our text says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. How do you have that inexpressible and glorious joy? You have to see something that's not there. This is why it's really hard for people that, do, that don't have faith to walk in consistent joy. And that is why our world is searching and, and failing to find joy. Is because to actually have joy, it is impossible for all of your circumstances to align perfectly so that you have joy. It is impossible. You have to shut yourself up in your house. And never go out into the world, never turn on the news, never get on the internet. And even then, you would probably wouldn't have joy because you need community. And I mean, it's just, there's, no way, there's no way to escape it. You cannot get everything to align. So you have to have faith. Faith. You know, some people have a difficult time with faith because they, it, faith isn't real. It's exactly what faith is. It is believing something that you cannot see. That's why people that don't believe in God have a difficult time with this concept because you're explaining something to them that sounds like a fantasy. To just, well, just believe things are going to get better? No, the reason that we have faith, it's not an empty faith. It's not an empty belief. The reason that we believe things are going to get better is because we read the, the, the end of the story. We read the end of the book and we found out that God's not going to leave us until it's good. That God's not going to be done until we get to what God has planned for our lives. And the plan that he has for us is good. And he's a good father who gives good gifts to his children. So we have faith based on the word that says that my story isn't finished yet. We have to look forward to what is ahead, fix our eyes on it, and rejoice in it. That's a, that's a recipe of joy right there. Look forward to what is ahead, fix your eyes on it, and rejoice in it. We read this scripture uh, last week, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 and 18. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, we're wasting away. We're going through trials. We're going through a life. Yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us. They're working for us. It, this plus this, my pain plus this, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs everything that I've walked through. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I was... Scrolling through Facebook, which I don't do very often. And I'm like, I'm going to probably deactivate my account someday. Um, but I, I, just, I was scrolling through it, and I actually saw something that encouraged me, which honestly, that never happens either. Um, so I, I saw this. One of the members of our church, Brittany Walterscheid, she had just had a baby, and uh, she was on 80 days of bed rest. And she talks about, and she wrote, uh, she attached a blog post that she had written about what God had taught her in these 80 days of bed rest. And I want to read it to you. It says, 
That moment when I would pull out my calendar and mark yet another day off, it was more than just a moment. It was a declaration. At 21 weeks of pregnancy, my cervix started opening. The doctors told me to go home on bed rest, but be prepared. You could go into labor any day because the cervix will continue to progress. But God said, I will stop the cervix. We are in a series at Church 1132 called Joyride. God's timing is perfect. This series is speaking direct affirmations into my recent season, the season I am calling rest. Happiness is temporary. But joyfulness is eternal. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He tried to steal my joy. But in the midst, the middle of the battle, I took back what is rightfully mine. Every day from the inside out, inside out, I experienced joy. But on the outside in, the situation looked dire. Joy is in the unseen, not the seen. And that is real is that amazing? She's taking the word. She's applying it to her life. God's working in her and through her. And she's realizing that the joy that God has for me is not in my situation in. It is in my, my, the internal, the part of me out. It is from the inside out. So we must fix our eyes on what is unseen. So this is what joy does. The last one, joy lives in the sum. The sum is the end result, which means I don't know what you're going through, but your pain, your hardships, your trials, your disappointments, your discouragements, this plus whatever else you're going through, whatever time it takes, whatever, how many seasons it lasts, equals something here. And this, what God has for you, is an amazing plan for your life. This plan that God has for you is for you to prosper. This plan that God has for you is to walk in freedom. This plan that God has for you is to be free of addiction. It is to be free of the chains that used to bind you. It, this plan that God has for you is a good plan. So the way that joy works is joy lives in the sum. It lives in the end result. So the reason that you can have joy, again, this is the same things that we've said, just said in a different way, so that we can actually capture this in our hearts. Joy is living in what God's going to do. I am going to live like it's already here. I'm going to live like the plane already landed. Even though the plane ride is rough, even though the plane ride is stinky, even though the plane ride is uncomfortable, I'm going to live internally as if I've already landed. That, my friends, is what joy does. Joy lives in the sum. Joy lives as if it's already done. Joy lives in the finished product. Joy lives in what God is doing and working in you and through you. Joy lives in what your life adds up to. Joy lives in tomorrow. Not in the trouble of today, but if I can see tomorrow, I can have joy today. Hope is not a sedative. It is a shot of adrenaline, a blood transfusion, like an anchor. Our hope in Christ stabilizes us in the storms of life. Years ago, uh, we had a youth event, and, and we were playing, playing volleyball, and... and um, Whitney's in this service we were playing, and she dove for a, a, a ball, and uh, the, the sand was wet, and her arm stuck in the sand, and she dislocated her elbow. And I have a little bit of a weak stomach, and so I ran over, and I saw the, the elbow going the wrong way. 
and uh, her bone is, is bad, is, is nasty. And I'm like, oh, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. God, please help me, help me, help me. And, uh, and, and, and everyone's scurrying around, and we're like, oh, this is, this is bad. She's in major pain. And uh, the ambulance comes, and we get on the ambulance, and, and uh, we take her to the hospital, and we're trying to get a hold of her parents. They were on vacation or somewhere gone, and we're like, hey, we got a little issue. Um, and, 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 and so we're talking through, and, and it's, it's funny because it wasn't funny then. It got funny because in, in the midst of it, we were so concerned, and she was in so much pain. But because the situation happened like it happened, and we were worried, is she going to be okay? Is the arm going to go back to normal? Is she going to have any lasting uh, injury because of what happened? But we got to the doctor in the hospital. They're telling us everything's going to be okay. We're going to work it out. We got some pain medication. She got happy. We're all happy. And then we're all sitting around the hospital bed, and we're laughing, and we're talking about it, and how gross it was, and whatever. And we're having, we're having joy, but the... Pr- Listen, I, I, just want, I, want you, I want to see something about perspective. When something bad happens, we go immediately, like we start thinking about how bad it is. But when that situation gets a little bit better, we have joy. But this is what's interesting. Before she was injured, I wouldn't say that we had that joy. But I want you, I want you, I, you got to see this. The injury happened, and then she was not all the way better. It was just better than what she was because we thought it was. See, you can, you can, have art, you can create joy. I'll show, you can do this to someone sometime. You can take their cell phone. Do this to, to, your, to your husband or wife, all right? Um, take their cell phone and hide it. And then when they start in a panic, running around the house going, I lost my phone. I lost my phone. You're like, oh, my God. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, let me help you find it. And you're looking, especially when it's like a really important season or they're getting a business call or something. Just, just keep it right in your pocket. Where is it? Where is it? And then be like, oh, my goodness, I found it. And watch how happy they get. It's artificial joy. Next time your husband comes home in a bad mood, hide his phone. And then when you find it, he's going to be like, thank you so much. Oh, man, my, my day just turned around. He didn't possess joy before. But in the midst of crisis, and the crisis got a little bit, it doesn't even erase that the crisis happened. It just means the crisis got a little better than they have joy. See, you can create joy. So you can also choose joy. You, you can choose to be glad. You can choose to rejoice. Psalm 118, 24 says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice. What does that word rejoice mean? It's a command. We will be glad. And It actually says in the English translation, and be glad in it. So it reads, we will rejoice and be glad in it. We will. This is the day. That, this is how you should start every single day. As as cheesy as it sounds, as cliche as it sounds, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and I will be glad. It doesn't mean that my situation got better. It doesn't mean that the circumstance disappeared. It just means I'm making a choice today that I will not lose my joy. I'm going to tell you, the devil doesn't want to mess with a church that is full of joy. The devil doesn't want to mess with a believer that is full of joy because the enemy can mess with your circumstances but if your joy is on the inside he can't mess with you and he can try to take away your stuff but it's not going to phase you he can try to take away your family but it's not going to phase you he can try to take away your money but it's not going to phase you because the joy that you have is not on the outside of you it is on the inside of you that my friends is what our text is trying to tell us rejoice and rejoice greatly in all this 
And let me close with this scripture in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. It says, says, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will. These are some of the most powerful words in the Bible. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. That, for our community, that's climb higher. I can, he enables me to get above every situation I'm in. He enables me to climb higher above every circumstance and every storm. How can I do that? He enables me to get above it. Yet I will. That, that right there, that's it. What about joy? What is joy? It's yet I will. That's, that's what it is. The, the, the scripture that, that sees the sum, the, the, this is what it's saying, really, in verse 9, it says, for you receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The greatest joy for every believer is the fact that Jesus died on the cross so that we could have newness of life. That right there, the Bible says, should be all the fuel that you need for joy. That's what the Bible says. This is not a sexy thing to preach. This is not a popular thing to preach. But really, this is what the Bible says is the sum is that you go to heaven instead of hell. He says that's enough for you to have joy in any storm and in any difficulty. That sum is enough because this is what everything that you're working towards is aiming up towards, the salvation of your souls. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. God is trying to show us and trying to move us into an internal joy that says no matter what I go through, no matter what I lose, no matter what I collect, no matter what I face, no matter what I escape, at the end of the day, the sum is that my life is hidden in Christ. That at the end of the day, I have an anchor for my soul. That at the end of the day, nothing in this life can faze me because whoever's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to spend eternity with Jesus. Now, I know it's hard because eternity seems so far away. And that's great for then. But what about today? In the meantime, it's two things. It's our first verse and our verse in Habakkuk. It is, in all this, yet I will. Those two things are the secret to today. Tomorrow, it's going to take care of itself. It's, boy, that's going to be the fulfillment of all the joy and all these cares and all these tears are going to be wiped away. But until then, in all this that your life has, it's a choice to say, yet I will. In all this, 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 the devil tried to come at me, tried to steal my joy, tried to steal my future. No, 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 no. In all this, yet I will. In all this, I felt a little neglected. I felt a little discouraged. I felt a little lonely. But in all this, yet I will. Today is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice. And I will be glad in it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Maybe we just need to talk to ourselves and say, in all this, Yet I will, 
in all this, yet I will. Maybe you need to speak to yourself like David spoke to himself and says David strengthened himself in the Lord. How did he do it? He said, God, you surely have a plan and you will not let me fall until that plan is over so I can rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. My joy is not for sale. My joy is not up for auction. My joy is not dependent on my circumstances, my situations, or the seat that I have been assigned in life. My joy is set on a Savior that has died and shed his blood for me so that my sins could be forgiven, that my past could be erased, that everything I've done could be covered by his glorious blood, and I can step into the sum. The sum is the life he has prepared for me. So in all this, I feel this this morning, in all this, yet I will, yet I will, yet I will. This is my declaration. This is my daily pace. This is my daily rhythm. In all this, yes, I will. In all this, yet I will. In all this, yet I will. That is the secret to joy. Would you stand up with me? I gotta calm down, I gotta preach all day. That plane seat really spoke to me. I'm sitting there. Again and again. In all this, yet I will. Whatever life is doing this to you, yet I will. Whatever seat life has assigned to you, whether favorable or awful, in all that, yet you will rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, it would be a lot easier just to say, hey, if you do this and this, life will be great. But all throughout the scriptures, specifically in the New Testament, it does not say life will be great. It says that he'll give you the grace to have something internally, to weather every storm externally. It's available. It's available. Some of you, you deal with real depression, and I know it's real. I minister to people, I counsel people all the time in real depression. Depression, but I'm going to tell you, you can come out of it. You can come out of it. You start, you start by today. You don't worry about tomorrow. You don't worry about next month. You start today saying rejoice 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 come on dustin rejoice come on dustin rejoice you might feel the grief you might still be in the trial but your choice is to be glad in the midst of it your choice is to rejoice in the midst of it thanks for listening you can find out more about us at church 1132.com